Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we are taking a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is 1948's best Santa Claus, Palmer. Ho, ho, ho. That's what you almost sounded like a smoking, like a smoking Santa. We're here to talk about the best picture nominees of 1948 Oscars. They are as follows. Great Expectations, Miracle on 34th Street, The Bishop's Wife, Crossfire, and Gentleman's Agreement. Can you take a guess about what won Best Picture, the Academy Awards for 1948? Gentleman's Agreement. That would be correct. Gentleman's really? Agreement is the winner. Took a stab in the dark there. You did take a stab in the dark. Um, no, really probably. Turn on the what? No, I like recording in the dark. You know this. <laughs> To mood. This is this is an audio podcast. I don't need to see you <laughs> to have a conversation with you. Um, it's like we're there in the room with them. Um, all right, so let's talk about great expectations first. Also, I guess how are you and stuff? Are you, uh, are you fine? I'm, I'm good. You know, this year, this this year, this twenty seven. Oh, no, okay, no, no, this no, year, nineteen forty eight, had like everything you could possibly want in movies. There was romance, there was drama, there was political intrigue, there was courtroom scenes, and that was all just Miracle on 34th Street. That's true. <laughs> Old Man with Canes yep. had had a great amount of things. Let's not talk about Miracle on 34th Street first. Let's talk about Great Expectations. Yes. Because I had great expectations for this Great Expectations directed by David Lean, uh, written by David Lean and Ronald uh, Niame. Neem. Something like that. N-E-A-M-E. Naomi. Naomi. Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, based on the novel by Charles Dickens, starring John Mills, Valerie, Valerie Hobson, Tony uh, Tony Wager, and Gene Simmons. Um, from this, Kiss? From Kiss, yes. He's he's quite old. Yes. Yeah. Um, one wonders how he's still alive. Um, anyway. Yep. Uh, this is a story. Uh, this is... The story, a story of a uh, this Brady. is a story about uh, a boy named Pip. That's close. Uh, who grow? Who starts as nothing and grows up to learn to become a gentleman. And he comes across some raggedy people and some. St- I, I full disclosure. I hate Great Expectations. I don't like the book. I the movie was a movie that I had to watch because I because I had to because of this podcast but okay. I it's one of my least favorite Charles Dickens stories and I like Charles Dickens I like so, I like Oliver right. I like Oliver Twist I love a Christmas carol I, I love a tale Oliver. of two cities yeah so Charles Dickens is great um, All right, so I do yours? not like great expectations why I don't know it's actually I it's it's weird because the story's fine mm-hmm. like it's not a bad story it's in fact probably a quite a good story. I just have this weird mental block for it, but I didn't. I didn't have to do it in school. Like okay. it's not right. like it's yeah. not like I. I have this like oh I had to do it first and I yeah. can't get over it kind of thing. Like no, I literally have no clue why I do not like this movie. All right, so full disclosure. Or, I mean the story. I should right. say. So full disclosure, I've never read any of the Charles Dickens books. 
I would I, recommend starting with the Christmas Carol because it's the shortest. I've actually, um, I've actually toyed with it, and I, I have it on uh, my tablet. Okay, actually, um, do you want? I can give you a really good reason to listen to it. Audible, uh, ha- their Audible exclusive um, uh, author reading is yeah. Tim Curry. Ooh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I just I. Well, I should say I listened to it in December. Yeah, um, and it was magnificent. It's um, like three hours. It's not. It's not a lot. So my only my only thing is like, and I think the biggest reason I've never gone back and read any Charles Dickens stuff is kind of the reason why I don't read a lot of things that I think I'll like, and that's because of the age that they're written in. Sure. Like I tried reading Moby Dick, and they never got on the boat. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're in like chapter six. Yeah. yeah. Well, still. Um, so my only, my only, um, do not compare all, uh, all classics <laughs> to Moby Dick. My only, um, knowledge of great expectations comes from the nineties, Ethan Hawke and Gwyneth Paltrow movie, which I love. And I tried bargaining with our listeners on the internet. Is she Mrs. Haversham? Is that who Gwyneth she's Paltrow? supposed to be? Yeah. No, she's, um, she's I've never girl. seen, I've never seen it. Mrs. Haversham is actually, um. Um, Mel Brooks's wife. Um, Madeline Kahn. No. Um. Um. God. Anna. Muskie. No, she was in stuff. Ferris. Was... <laughs> Did you ever see GI Jane? Um. No, I know no. what it is, but okay. I've never seen it. Um. I'm gonna remember this like three movies from now, you and just... I'm just gonna yell it out. Sure. Okay. Um. But she's Mrs. Havisham. Okay. Um, and it's it's really good. Like, they're deplorable people, mm-hmm. and Pip's good. Yeah. And it also has Robert Downey Jr., not Robert Downey Jr., Robert De Niro. Robert Downey Sr. No. <laughs> as the criminal. Okay. Like, it's a it's a great cast. Watch mm. it. Okay. I know you hate this this stuff, but yeah, watch it. I just don't like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I really loved that movie. And it was interesting watching this. Because this goes further. They had the base bones of the story mm-hmm. in that movie. This one goes further. Like, the uh, spoiler, the ending of uh, the Gwyneth Paltrow one is he, you know, she kind of goes off on her own and he goes and yells at Mrs. Havisham mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, he finds out the criminal's his his benefactor, mm-hmm. but the extra piece of him being her father is not in that movie. So I was piecing that together, and I'm like, mm. man, you know, it would actually make sense if if she's his daughter, and then they come out and say it in this movie, and I'm like, that makes this movie so much better. Like I'm so upset that they cut like, that out. Why would you cut that out of right? The... Because it makes sense. I don't know. I I. I can't comment on that. I can. The only thing I could really com. I mean, I struggled to watch this movie, not because it was bad. Yeah, I just have this weird mental block against great which, expectations, which I can understand. I do think, however, that this movie is beautifully shot. Like oh, it is the so open, the opening scenes. Uh, the opening scenes of this film with like. The rolling mist and yep. like all that stuff, and the forced perspective of the of the graveyard. Oh yeah, it was it was excellent. Uh, this movie won best cinematography, and it absolutely deserved, especially based off the rest of these films. I think it 
absolutely deserved. Yeah. Well, it won two things. It won cinematography and it won production design. And based on these other films, I 100% agree with that decision. And Bancroft. And Bancroft. Oh, I, that's right. I always forget that she's Mel yeah. Brooks' wife. And actually, in that in that version, she's called Mrs. Dinsmore. She must have died pretty soon after that. Uh, no, a few years after that. She only died like a couple of years back. Oh, why did I She just kind of stopped doing stuff. Wait, what's her name? Mrs. Uh, what? In the movie, it's Mrs. Dinsmore. But it's Mrs. Haversham, right? In... I'm almost positive. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I... Um, so, yeah, like this, movie's, this movie is so beautiful. Haversham, I think, is also the name of the, the, the little mouse and her father from The Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> and so I like all of a sudden I had this weird. So you're thing. Like, am I talking the two about the? Now? Am I talking about the wrong thing? Um, um, so I mean, this movie looks gorgeous. You are you are correct in that, and I really like um, I really like the acting. Yeah, I th- everybody's everybody's good. I think it's even got a it's got a decent pace for for a movie. Yeah, from, it's under from, it's under two hours. Uh, just barely under yeah. two hours. It's got a decent pace. I mean, Great Expectations is a huge book. It's definitely, it's a very abridged version of the story, as, as most films are. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I do not take my mental block against Great Expectations as, yeah, so, as a mark against this film. Yeah, because you're just saying, like, it's it's your preference that it, it was you were the reason why you kind of disliked this movie. Right. It was nothing that you saw on the screen. It had nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. I just, for some reason, don't um, care for this story, and I never have. The actress playing Estelle mm-hmm. was so good at being such a spoiled, stuck-up brat, mm. um, which kind of sounds like it might be easy to do. But but you can not go coming over off. The, you can go over the top with that right. pretty and quickly. She's, she like she's very prim and proper, mm-hmm. and I really liked that about uh, this version. Although I will say one of the reasons why I actually really dug this version is because in my own head canon, mm-hmm. so throughout the entire movie she calls Pip boy. Yep. Um, and so in my head canon, somewhere between when Pip goes away to start learning mm-hmm. and he becomes older. Like sometime in between that, while he's walking the streets of London, it's one Christmas morning and Scrooge flings open the windows and he's the boy that uh, Scrooge asks. Oh, the one as big as me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, smart fellows. There's, like that's that's there's, my headcanon because she kept calling him boy, and I thought of that the entire time. There's a show, I think it's on the BBC, called Dickensian. Okay. And it's all of the Charles Dickens characters in in London, yep. in, in 19th century London, that like kind of all interact with one another. And it's so it's Mrs. Haversham and Ebenezer Scrooge, and they all kind of mix and mingle and match. Mm-hmm. I've never watched it. I just discovered it pretty recently and i think it popped up like on my itunes like you should think about watching this or uh you're sitting there yes i should and i was like okay check all the things it's not on hulu it's not on hbo it's not on this it's not on netflix it's not on amazon why would you tell me about this why why are you telling me because you want me to buy it well screw that (laughs) i'll wait until i can watch it for free to hell with you apple yeah i think it was amazon that told me 
now that I think about it. Oh, uh, now I feel bad yelling at Apple. Yeah. Um, it'll come back and bite you. Um, like you bite into apples. Yeah. So, um, so this movie's really good. I, I liking the basic story of, um, great expectations. I would definitely <laughs> recommend great going to see basic. this. Huh? He's called a Charles Dickens story. Basic. <laughs> yeah. That's so what I basic. said basic story. So basic. Right. Yeah. Um, definitely watch this. Um, even if you've seen other versions of it, because mm-hmm. I, I feel it brings something new. Um, and now, now that I've ticked off this one, I do want, I know they filmed a stage version. Mm. Um, so that's the next one I want to tick off. That's your, that's your next one. Well, you can go and find that one all you want. Let's move on to Miracle on 34th Street, uh, directed and written by George Seaton, uh, also written by Valentine Davies, starring Edmund, Edmund Gwen. Maureen O'Hara, Natalie Wood, and John Payne. Um, Miracle on 34th Street of, is, of course, the story of the real Santa Claus who works, uh, who gets a job working for Macy's department store close to Christmas. And lots of high fun adventures happen, but then they have to go to court and prove he's really Santa Claus and not a crazy old dangerous man. Um, and that most people have seen Miracle on 34th Street. I don't feel like I need to explain it any further than that. Yeah, you've either seen the original or you've seen the, the 90s the remake. 90s remake. With John Hammond from Jurassic Park. Richard Attenborough. I know. Yeah. Um, also carries Kane. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I I had seen... I have not seen the original Miracle on 34th Street for years. Um, I watched the remake... Almost every year, yeah, because that's the the one. That's I the one we grew up with. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Movie came out in the early nineties. It's absolutely yeah, the, so one it's the one that I. It's it's the one that you definitely with. grew up with. Mm-hmm. And me, I should have seen the original earlier, which I honestly don't remember ever seeing up until watching it. Oh, okay, um, I really enjoyed it. I I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to, based on how much I love the one from the nineties. Um, there are some th- there are some things about it. I mean, I couldn't help but compare. Yeah, you can't. And there are some there are some things about this one that I liked quite a bit. Like I think, like Gwen's performance as Chris Kringle is spectacular. He was he was lovely and charming and caring and all of this stuff. By all accounts, he was actually exactly the same on set when he was not acting like everybody loved him he was great and actually natalie wood when filming the movie actually thought he was the real santa spoiler and she only didn't learn the she only learned that he was an actor um at the rap party once they were done filming and because i guess she like i guess she must have like kept it to herself that you're like, oh, that's the real Santa. And she didn't tell anybody. She just thought she was acting with Santa. Nice. And then she learned that it was an actor. And it was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> this is the weirdest way to find out that Santa isn't real. Or is he? What? Wait. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if kids listen to this or not. Oh, of course they do. Well, the, Santa was the Santa. kids love movies in the 40s. Hey, so it could be on in the car. You don't know. <laughs> um, um Natalie Wood was awesome in this. She was spectacular. I like her more than I than the girl um, from the from the newer one. 
Um, the girl from Matilda. Matilda, the parent tra- uh, not the parent trap, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, again, like, her, her, her attitude and her mannerisms is kind, like, she portrays them like it's her. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and I don't feel like I'm watching a character. I agree. The the I can't remember her name for the life of me. I used to know it. Um, the girl from the '90s right. one, like you felt she was acting, right? Um, where she was this little smart little kid who was too good for bridges. Natalie Wood feels like a real child. Yeah. Um, even though she is acting. Um. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I I I agree. I think. I think the the 90s one had the benefit of kind of fleshing out the story, taking some of maybe the weaker parts of this version and stretching them out. Even little things like Santa's throne, which looks awful yeah. in this movie. It looks absolutely terrible. Looks magnificent in the 90s one. Like little things like that. Right. Um so my my biggest problems with this movie is to me, it doesn't delve into what I feel like I really liked about the remake was, is he or is he not really Santa? This one is slightly ambiguous, even this towards the end. kind of wraps it up a little too fast. I agree. It's like, oh, the post is here. He must be Santa. The end. Right. Yeah. Um, and like when she's writing, like when she, when she's folding up the, the uh, letter that Natalie Wood writes to him while he's in mm-hmm. the asylum... And she writes, you know, I believe in you too. Um, and then she signs her name, and they send it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't have that same feeling that I got in the in the newer version when they, they when that was that entire campaign. Like I believe in Santa, sure. so should you. Yeah, you know. Um, I think I think the the remake actively involves its cast more than this one. Yeah, it, 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 which is odd. Even like little things like the drunk Santa at the beginning is really the antagonist that comes back and from the you know what I mean. Like yeah. and that doesn't happen here. It almost feels like a weird wasted story opportunity. Like like not well, this one has its characters the, this together one has like the that. Faux psychiatrist who was an foil. enjoyable character. Yeah, like, but it like and I hated him so much. Yo, that's good. You were supposed to, um, but I think like the drunken Santa from the parade seeking revenge and like, but like store it, politics it, and like yeah, all that stuff. The is, drunken Santa in this one still feels lovable. Like, oh, it's winter. How else am I supposed to stay? Warm? Yeah. Oh, you're so right. Yeah. Well, good for you. <laughs> good for you, drunky. Yeah. Um, what I couldn't get over in this movie was Maureen O'Hara's shoulder pads. Oh yeah, they were like I don't know how she walked through doors like sideways. Like, sideways. You got to like turn and yep. pivot your way through a door. It was crazy. Um, I do like I this only and granted again there is a remake, but this feels like a story of its time. Nineteen forties single middle aged man wants to hang out with a child and. The babysitter has like I don't see any problem with this. He lives across the hall. Yep, All, and like he doesn't know the mother. He doesn't right. know because oh, in the in, in the remake, there's there's at least an established friendship. Yeah, like they know each other, right. and like he clearly has a big crush on her, right. and everyone knows it. And in this one, he still does. Only he doesn't tell anybody. Right. And it's like, I'm going to have this plan of befriending the little girl mm-hmm. to get to the mother, which 
kind of seems a little nefarious. But, but, I mean, that's kind of what he does in the remake, too. But, like, there's already an established relationship between right. them. I also love that he's got two beds in his in his bedroom. And he's like, oh, Chris could just stay with me on my bed. Right. You know, my fu- this fun neighbor. Um, there are things from this film, like, originally, like, you got to give credit to the film, like, like, the girl from Finland or wherever she's from. And oh, she, the Dutch girl. The Dutch girl. Yeah. And she just... She can't talk to anybody, and so he just starts talking to her. Yeah, and that to me is wonderful. I, I kind of teared up. Oh, it's the it's yeah. great. It's one of my favorite scenes from the from the remake too. But I like I like that she's deaf in the remake, and he does sign language to her because that that in some ways feels even more personal, right? Um, but I, but I still love like this. You know, like we're gonna I'm gonna talk to you. And yeah. that to me is like the magic of Santa. It's what makes him the best Santa. Yeah. You know, like stuff like that. You know, not like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer Santa, who is a terrible person. You have a different nose. Yeah. Get out. Get out of here. Or even like when he's at elf practice <laughs> and he's like slumped in his chair. He's like, okay, let's get this over with. Like he's an awful, awful <laughs> Look, Santa. That is a very stressed out Santa. Uh, it's, it's, I don't Also, like all right. So, real talk. One okay. of the things Santa wants to do with his with his wages and bonus is buy an X-ray machine um, for the for the facility that he's living at. Sure, um, I and, like that guy. Oh, Chris is the best, right? Like, yeah. And he, they're like, and like Macy's is like, well, I don't think that's enough. And like the competition guy is like, you know, I'll I'll pay for the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And Macy's is like, I'll give you a store discount. And Gimbal's is like, I'll let you buy it at cost. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, how the hell does Macy's or Gimbal sell X-ray machines? Also, so true. I wondered that myself. <laughs> I was like, I guess they can just get stuff. Like, was this the '40s where, like, like I get I your X-ray like, machines? Like, get your X-rays. You know, like, like I don't know if you've ever heard this expression from your parents, but like the old Woolworths. Like Woolworths was no. around when we were growing up, but it was the very tail end. But like sure. Woolworths used to have like a soda bar in like the 40s. Oh, sure. Yeah, like, yeah, it was yeah. the place that you went for for everything. Yeah. And like that's in my mind now with Macy's. Like there were no other stores, no oh, other places to get anything. It's kind of accurate. Yeah. Clothes, food, x ray machines. machines. We've got the works. Whatever you need. X ray machines. Seventh floor. Seventh floor. Buy the fur coats. <laughs> Yeah, by the by the lead paint. Yeah, um, yeah. I, this movie was great. It, it oddly didn't have enough Christmas music. You know, I thought about that too, and I'm wondering if all of the quote unquote Christmas standards that we know um, came some, in after this. I mean, some of them, some of them certainly did, but even like like stuff that's been around for literally hundreds of years yeah. like God rest me a gentleman hark the herald like stuff that is just part of the christmas part part of christmas still like right. you don't hear any of that stuff in the background Did, no that was something else i that was something else i was watching i was trying to remember if they had that um Christmas is coming. The goose is getting fat. Song that your, oh, that no. your mom drilled yeah, in yeah, my yeah. head. Christmas uh, is coming. The goose is getting fat. Right. Please put a penny in the old man's hat. So, like, I thought that I heard it because I heard it within the last week from somewhere, 
and I I almost texted you to be like, oh, this person must have also had your mom as a as a music teacher. I mean, I don't think she made that song. I look in my mind, she did. Okay, yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, let us move on from Miracle okay. on Thirty Fourth Street. Um, I will to Miracle on Thirty Fifth Street. I will cap. Um, I will cap. Uh, this by saying, uh, what it won. Uh, it won best supporting actor for uh, Edmund Gwen. Um, Santa. He was supporting? Yeah, apparently. Okay. Yeah. Um, it won Best Writing Original Story, and it won Best Writing Screenplay. So there were, it won two writing awards. The early Academy Awards, they had screwy yeah. categories. Um, so it won two writing awards and Best Supporting Actor, which I, I'll give. Yeah. It yeah. is a great original. It is a great original story. It's a classic. Yeah. You know. Yeah. A movie that survives... As part of people's regular viewing experience from 1947, mm-hmm. is that that absolutely deserves its writing award? Yeah, it's a, it's a great original story. Compared to the rest of them, I don't know if I would say overall writing, but definitely original. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Bishop's Wife, another Christmas movie. I didn't know this was a Christmas Man, the movie. Bishop's when I started Wife watching is it. a mean. Oh wait, you you mean the movie? The movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go. Don't be gossiping. Yeah, as Ricky Ricardo would say, <laughs> Gospin. Um, directed by Henry Coster, written by Robert E. Sherwood, Leonardo uh, DiCaprio, Bricovici. That was close. Um, based on the novel by Robert Nathan, starring Cary Grant, Loretta Young, David Niv- Niven, and Monty Woolley. Uh, and this is the story about a um, about a Protestant bishop. Uh, who is working, working, working as hard as he can, and he can barely make time for his his wife, even though he feels really bad about it. And like, but he just he's trying, and he's being pulled in too many directions, and he just doesn't know how to do his job effectively and be a, a good husband and a good bishop. And so he gets help from an angel, uh, by ways of Cary Grant, um, and. Cary Grant does not always he's an angel but he's also falls in love with the bishop's wife. Look, he's a he's a horrible angel. Um this is this he's is no Burton Ernie, I can tell you that. <laughs> this is like it's a wonderful life if they sent the wrong angel. Like you kind know what? Of. You should probably just jump off the bridge. I'll go I'll go marry your wife. Kind of. I don't think you're I don't think that's a bad assessment. <laughs> um I think this movie I think this movie's very well acted especially especially Cary Grant who I think has a really subtle transition between like I'm the helper angel into this like into this like into this I'm going to steal your I'm wife. I'm going to steal your wife from you even yeah. though I'm an angel thing going on. I think that the, it was a really subtle transition. He's very good. He's very likable. Oh, I loved him in this movie. Yeah. I I I think this is my favorite acted movie. Um, not necessarily this cycle, this season that we've done. Yep. Um, but definitely, definitely in these black and white movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Are these all black and white? They all were black. They all were black yeah. and white, right? Yeah. yeah. Although you can watch Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street colorized. You know, I did watch. Miracle so did I. I, did watch I the actually, colorized version. I watched it yesterday. 
and no no streaming service had it. So I was going to rent it or buy it or whatever. Yeah. And I, had I, to buy, out, I had to buy The Bishop's Wife. And then I found out luckily AMC I, was showing I it that it. day. Yeah. So I just recorded it on oh, good. my DVR and I watched it. Um, so uh, I loved all the acting in this. Uh, David Nevin. That's yeah, really David right. Nevin. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really like him ever since I I didn't really like the movie that I first saw him in, but um, he was a James Bond in the old Casino Royale. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um but I've liked him in almost anything that I've seen, and I think we've seen him before. Yeah, he's and, he's cropped up before. Yeah. Um, Cary Grant is wonderful, who I don't recall seeing in a movie before. This is our first Cary Grant movie. It is, yeah. I thought so. Uh, and then and then the woman is just wonderfully acted, and even the professor. Loretta Young. The yeah. professor that... That's um, Marty Woolley. Yeah. Like, he, like er, the acting is spot on in this movie. Mm-hmm. And not only can they act, but... Um, Cary Grant, um, the bishop's wife, and the cab driver are such wonderful skaters. Oh yeah, you know, really wonderful skaters. That was a great weird sequence. <laughs> this is this is the forties, and it it gave me that feeling of like of like TV Christmas TV specials mm. that would have like a very loose story. To why all these like guests were showing up? Sure, sure, and sure. And it was sure. like, I'm gonna go outside to Central Park where the people are ice skating. <gasps> it's Scott Hamill. He's a figure skater, um, and you know so Dorothy Hamill's brother. I believe so. Okay, it might actually be Scott Hamilton. I honestly oh. don't remember. Okay, but let's go with Dorothy Hamill. Dorothy Hamill, what are you doing here? And like, she comes triple axling in. Mm-hmm. Like, I just wanted to say Merry Christmas, and then she pirouettes out. So it's the Star Wars holiday special, yeah. is what you mean? Yeah. Um, but it... oh, hey, oh, what Chewie's not there yet? <laughs> oh, I guess I'll just go back to fixing this plane. Yeah. Bye. I'm Luke Skywalker. So it gave me that. It gave me that very like Christmas special feel, um, which wasn't out of place in this movie. Um, no, I mean, it sh- It was a Christmas movie. I had the opposite reaction. I almost felt like there wasn't enough Christmas in this movie. Like, it was one of the... It, it's a controversial opinion. It's a movie like Die Hard that takes place at Christmas, but not necessarily a Christmas film. Hmm. You know, like, you could watch it at Christmas, but you could probably watch this film at every other time and be okay, where something like Miracle on 34th Street is a Christmas film. Okay, I can. Yeah, I so can like, see that. I argument. wanted more Christmas from it. I wanted it to be more of a Christmas film than it was. I will agree with you because they have a scene with a with a boys' choir where yep. Cary Grant makes the children appear. That was yeah. Um, he was like, "Oh, you can't compete with basketball and stuff." And I was <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, this this is ringing so true to my own life right now." And like, so you have a scene where where the children's choir is singing, and it's not even a song I know. Which um, for a for I, a church song at Christmas time, I can't remember what they singing, but like they should have sung like a really traditional Christmas song, right? Yeah, and they just don't. You're right. You're right. It just takes place at like Christmas happens to be there in the background. Yeah, and it's never really forced on you. No, no, because um, that's not the movie. Like it's not like he came down because it's Christmas time to help out this bishop. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he came down to try and steal the bishop's wife. What is crazy to me is how much of a product of its time this movie is. That like this is a movie nominated for best picture that's about a bishop and an angel, hmm. and people are just like, yeah, best picture, yeah. Well, I mean, um, it's a wonderful life. Yeah, again, it's also about an angel. But again, think of how old yeah. that movie is. Heaven can wait. If you have again, an angel in your movie, there's a good chance you're getting nominated. There's a good nominated. chance you're getting nominated. Yeah. Um, touched by an angel. Um, I don't think Angels so. in America was nominated <laughs> for an Oscar. I mean, uh, yeah, well, I mean, it was nominated for an Emmy or a Golden Globe, so yeah. something like that. Um, this movie won Best Sound. You know, all right. So I want to get this out of the way now, and not necessarily just for this movie. One of the things I love about these older movies mm-hmm. is the sound. I love two things about these older movies. Mm. The lighting and the sound. The lighting I'll get to in one of the other movies. The sound I love, aside from the way like the voices, mm-hmm. the voices kind of resonate, but I also love like the crackling of the soundtrack. Oh, sure. That you don't get anymore because mm-hmm. everything's digital. Yep. You don't get those imperfections. Mm-hmm. But I love it so much in these old movies. It feels, like, it, it feels, feels like oddly a film. real. Feels like a film, right? Yeah, I agree. There's something almost lost when, when what you're watching becomes too clear, or yeah. it, you hear it too clearly. Um, listen, like intent, listening intently to a film is like almost like a lost art. Yeah, because everything is so clear. Um, yeah, what a. What a what an excellent point. I'm I'm yeah. glad that you said that. And like the the vocals seem to stand out better. Uh it's probably because sometimes it's re-recorded dialogue. It's yeah. ADR. Yeah, cuz they have to the in mm-hmm. you have out. that problem of the syncing. Yeah, I mean you still get that now, but yeah. If it's a windy day somewhere on set, like chances <laughs> yep, just like that. Chances are. Yeah. Yeah. Um so this only one best sound? Mhm. That's that's a crime. Yeah. Like, I... There should have been an acting award in there somewhere. No acting awards. I'm writing a letter to the... I'm writing a letter they're to the dead, voting they're body. They're all 19. dead now. Yeah. Look, I'm I didn't say they were going to read it. Yeah. Um, okay, so next up, uh, Crossfire. Okay. Uh, directed by uh, Edward Dimitric. Uh Written by John Paxton, Richard, uh, based on the book by Richard Brooks, starring Robert Young, Robert Mitchum, Robert Ryan, <laughs> and Glone Gr- Glory Graham. I can't read my own writing. Um, so this is a story. Uh, it's basically a cop procedural about a hate crime. Yeah. Yeah, and it's this film. But you don't know it's a hate crime. No, you don't. But you learn it. That's a I mean, if you read the <laughs> if you read the synopsis, you, oh really? Like, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. If you read the back of the box, it tells you it's a hate crime. Um, but it's important because I, it's the first film about hate crime, like the like the act of a hate crime. The act of a hate crime. Okay. Yeah, it's the first. Um, hold on, I'll read the. I can. Um, I'll read the actual um i'll read the actual description um because i i found that very interesting because normally you don't see that in a film where they just kind of like they'll stick that right at the you know right right at the the onset um it says uh one of the first hollywood films to explore bigotry 
follows the story of three World War II soldiers who become suspects in the murder of a Jewish hotel guest. Um, a critical success, it harvested an Oscar bonanza, receiving five nominations and winning for Best Director, Supporting Actor, Ryan, Supporting Actress, Gloria Graham, It's a Wonder of Life, and Screenplay. So it got quite a bit. Which is weird because the same year you have Gentleman's Agreement, which is also about bigotry. But And you also have two Christmas movies. Yeah, but neither of those are about bigotry. No, but they're about Christmas, which is anti-bigotry. Yeah. Because it's goodwill and cheer towards all. Yeah. God bless us everyone and all that. And Great Expectations was about not hating rich people. Sure. Something about that. It's kind of like... Yeah, true. don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Nailed so, it. which is... So, they're... In some ways, they're all kind of connected. Yeah. And so, you're you're talking just after World War Two, Soldiers are home. Um, the soldiers are home. We're moving towards America's golden era. Mm-hmm. You know, the, but we're not quite there yet. Um, it's interesting to think about what's... what's hap- I always love thinking about what's happening in in the world to make some of these to make some of these choice like why are these the ones nominated because clearly they're striking a chord with the country at a particular time and i think that's where crossfire was interesting if you think of it in that context however i was super bored not i was super bored watching this movie okay so one of my problems my biggest problem with this movie is is that was super boring Kind of. It was super boring. Kind of. Um, it is very talky. Yep. There's not a lot of action. Nope. It's like not necessary for a good movie. You know, no, like but, we both love. But this we both love Twelve monotonous. Angry Men, which is the epitome of a talky film. Yeah, but this this becomes mono- uh, monotonous. Yeah, I agree. Um, and the biggest problem I found is, like, it plays fast and loose with the timeline. Sure. One scene will be the current them investigating. The next scene, it's not like they're it's not like they're talking to anybody and it's like, you know, wavy lines so you go back and see what they're mm-hmm. talking about. It's interrogation and then the next scene will be something that you think is happening, but you're like, "Oh, this is actually then." Yes. And there's no yeah. kind of delineation and it kind of screws with you a bit. Yep, which I think I think we've seen, I mean, we've certainly seen films do something like that now, but we've we've had so many years of watching films do that better right? that you're almost watching, like, the first step of it. The problem is, I, I think, it's it's got that, it, it was important then, but we've seen better versions now. Yeah. And, and so, and you have to appreciate the... The first of its kind in some way, but I've seen Law and Order episodes do exactly the yeah. same thing. So I was I, I said in the last movie w- one of the other things I really like about this era is the lighting. This yeah. movie does really good with the lighting, and it it goes to show you like how dumb they wrote some of these characters mm-hmm. because literally you know who killed the guy yep. because he's the one that's in half shadow. Yes, like come on, police. Yeah. He's standing right there. He's standing right there. It's it's sunny out, and he's only half lit. He is obviously the killer. Yep, i I'm complete. I'm completely. I'm completely with you on this. Also, the lack of 
effort it takes um, to gun de- gun the guy down once they find out who it is. He goes running out. He goes running out of the 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 apartment complex, and the cop just casually goes over to the window on the second floor, knocks it out, waits, fires one bullet, and hits him. Hey, he's a really good shot. A really good shot. Um, arguably the best shot. Yeah. You know what's interesting? Um, Not this movie? No, I was going to say. <laughs> um, yes, that's true. So the description on iTunes yeah. says that a critical success at Harvard and Oscar Penance received five nominations and winning for director, supporting actor, actress, and screenplay. According to IMDb, that's not true. It didn't win anything. That makes more sense. Yeah. So I think this is written incorrectly. I think it was nominated. It's actually it was. It's written by the people. It was nominated for all of those things. It was nominated for best picture, supporting role, supporting role, director, okay. screenplay. But it didn't. According to this, didn't win any of those. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it should have. So yeah, that's what my notes. My notes say it didn't. It didn't win. But hey, yeah. I don't know. It's lost to the sands of time. We'll never know now. It just wasn't good. It wasn't good. No, it wasn't. And it's only like an hour and a half. I know. I started. It felt longer. I actually started with Crossfire because I was I like, oh, it's only an hour and a half. I'll ease yeah. my way in. And I was like, oh, my God, if this is indicative of the rest of the movies, I'm going to scream. Because <laughs> what we go through sometimes to watch these movies. Why are we doing this? We we are literally doing this to ourselves. We could just go back in time starting from the the 2000s and go straight back. But Look. then we would get stuck at an age where all of a sudden we're like, "Oh my god, all we can watch is 80s movies or all we can watch right. is no, movies from the 40s." Right. No, this is the best 40s. way to do this. Yeah, cuz it's the best for us. Yes, and it's best for the fans cuz let's be honest, People listen to these other ones, and we get some feedback, but we get the most feedback with the most current movies. Yeah, definitely. Um, which is fine. That's because the ones; those are the ones people have seen, right? And it's the one people it, people have a little bit more input on. Mm-hmm. Like this one, unless you really go back and rewatch it, you're never going to remember. Mm-hmm. Like once this once this episode comes out, if any of our fans that interact with us on on Twitter have watched this movie and want to talk to me about it, I'm not going to remember anything. That's true. (laughs) I agree with you. I barely remember what this movie was about. And I just watched it like two weeks ago. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Know what I didn't do? Apparently I didn't write down any notes for Gentleman's Agreement. Well, I mean, I wrote down the stuff, but I didn't write down (laughs) my thoughts. Good thing I watched it last and I remember things. All right, so we're done with Crossfire, right? Yeah. The world is done with Crossfire. <laughs> the world is done with Great. Crossfire. Great, okay. Uh, Gentleman's Agreement, directed by Eli Kazan, written by Moss Art, Laura Z, and based on the novel by Laura Z. Hobson, starring Gregory Peck, Dorothy McGuire, John Garfield, and Celeste Holm. Uh, Gentleman's Agreement is about um, a journalist uh, and his mother and his son. Yeah. His mother and son who move to New York, he gets a new job, and his assignment is to report on the bigotry of the American people against the Jew- uh, um, uh, Jewish, Jewish po- the Jewish population of of the area. And he, Gregory Peck's character, figures out the best way to do this is to kind of pretend to be Jewish to see how 
he is treated mm-hmm. um and um and and so he he kind of learns about bigotry firsthand by doing this story um and that is that's basically that's basically the movie yeah um what did you think of this movie uh Cary Grant is really wonderful in this movie Cary Grant that's not who you said no it's Gregory Peck Gregory Peck. There you go. Is not as good as Cary Grant. I thought was you were making a movie. joke for a second. I was nope. like, oh wait, no. I think you're just no. Nope. You're just uh, wrong. So Gregory Peck was not nearly as good as Cary Grant was in this movie. Cary Grant was not in this movie, right? But in my mind, he was, and in my mind, he's so much better. But you no. don't think that Gregory Peck was good in no, this movie? No, Gregory Peck was good in this. Oh movie. yeah, it was like Gregory Peck was amazing. Um, I was just trying to save my screw up. No, you d- didn't. So he's really good in this movie, um, and. It to me it fails with writing. Explain. Um, it try like while he's trying to expose bigotry, um, in the world, and he's doing it like he's seeing it crop up here and there. Mm-hmm. Like even the Jewish secretary that he has dislikes Jewish people. She Which Jewish? was weird. Yeah, she's oh. Jewish. His secretary is Jewish. And she's like, but I'm like a passing Jewish person. And I'm like, wow, that's that seems a little much for this movie. But okay. Um, there are times, though, like it seems like he's getting outraged on stuff that he shouldn't be getting outraged on or he's just trying to force the issue. Like the the problems that he has with his girlfriend, the publisher's daughter, or the publisher's mm-hmm. granddaughter, or mm-hmm. or uncle, or something. Um, he keeps forcing. Like she she doesn't. I agree. Like she she doesn't have any bigotry. He's getting wrapped up. Right. She's not a bigot, but she's she's not comfortable. Being, being the spearhead of change. Sure. So she's like, it's almost like she's condoning it passively. Sure, which is what he's getting upset about, right? But he keeps forcing that issue, and then the end where he go like he's like, I'm gonna go to that place where we're gonna have our wedding, and I'm gonna make them say they they don't accept me to my face because I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. And he gets there, and he's like. We're supposed to have a wedding here. And they're like, yep, it's on this day. Yeah, we have it down. So you're going to have us? Yes. So you don't you don't hate Jewish people? Oh, well, we're not going to have you now. Mm-hmm. You're like, he causes the scene. Like, there, there was nothing that I pulled out from that scene. Sure. No, I, I definitely I definitely agree with you. Like, they should have been like, oh, you're one of those people. No. Um, I don't disagree with you. I didn't really think about any of that while watching the film. But now in retrospect, I I totally see what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I was kind of wrapped up in thinking about, like, wow, if you did this with, like, you know, like, this thing today or this thing today, like... It's still a relevant. Like it can still be a relevant movie, you know. It this is terrible. It kind of reminded me of the the um, 
Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane comic book. Um, I oh, am a, I am yeah. a parentheses curious black yeah. in which Lois Lane goes into machine to investigate what it's like to be a to be black at first hand experience. Yeah. Awful comic. Terrible. I've actually like, never read that. It's awful. I mean, it's very heavy handed and it was trying to do the right thing. Right. It just it's just one of those instances where it's like, yeah. yeah. But that's basically what Gentleman's Agreement is. Right. But it can do it this way because religion and cult, like this is a religion and cultural background. It's not a, right. It's both. Yeah. No, I, I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. That you can. That anybody can be. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if you like, if they did the same thing. But he was like, I want to see the bigotry of of white people against black people. Yep. And then he painted himself black. I'd be like, whoa, this is not a good idea. You know, this is this is this is not Lawrence Olivier's Othello here right. we're, we're doing. Yeah. Um, so this is one of the few ways you can do it. The other way you could do it, like if you wanted to take that theme and and bring it forward to today, you have somebody posing. um. As as a person of Islam, mm-hmm. um, and like that, I don't know how much, like, because it kind of runs into that whole mm-hmm. thing of mm-hmm. of the lowest lane. Like, you have to pick the right actor. You can't just have Chris Evans do it. You're right. I don't think this is a film you could probably make anymore. I think you can, but it has to be very. Very specific. Yes, and actually, I've now that I'm already down the rabbit hole of that idea. I actually do want to see an updated version of this mm. with some with a person, a Middle Eastern person, or someone of that descent posing as, yep. as um, an Islamic person, because I think it, I think it'll resonate, and I think that could be such a good and deep and interesting movie. Mm. Um, more so than Gentleman's Agreement was. I had that. I I I had that tinge in Gentleman's Agreement, but again, I think I no, felt you're right. You're right. Mo- Muslims might be the the thing that yeah. You know the the you know the group that kind of gets ostracized. Um, yeah. That you could make a you could update this with. I have a question that yeah. is not really related. It's related to the film. What do you think the title means? Gentleman's Agreement. Because all of the titles of these these films are yeah. pretty spot on, like Crossfire. If you watch the film, you know why it's called that. Caught in the Crossfire, blah blah blah. Miracle Thirty Fourth Street, The Bishop's Wife, Great Expectations. Like they all have titles that like fit and make sense. But what is gentle? Like what gentleman's agreement are we talking about? The gentleman's agreement to like not let anybody know he's not Jewish maybe or a gentleman's agreement is something that you know oh it's gentleman's agreement sacred can't be broken so this idea of like be good to one another is a gentleman's agreement but it does get broken mm. i don't know it it has like layers but at the same time like i'm not sure where the title comes from exactly the only thing i could really think of is like like we have a like it, it's a play on like we have a gentleman's agreement that those people are not allowed at our club. Right, sure, yeah, um, and that's the only thing I could really take away from it. It is a very oddly named movie. Uh 
yeah, I that scene in the hotel actually was one of my favorites where they like, oh, well, you know, I, I don't know why they told you there was room here. There's just no room here. Like, you know, uh, you know, what I'm talking about I I really enjoyed that scene yeah. because like so you're trying to say that you're like you're not going to serve like you do not serve the Jewish population. And they're like, no, we're not saying that at all. We're just saying right. that we're full. Yeah, it's it's it, but it, that's also only after like he goes after it and he's already making a but scene. it's Gregory Peck. He's just fiery and everything. That's right, what he but does. Like, like the biggest problem in that scene to me is he, they're fine with it. Up until he really starts making a scene about it. Mm. And then they're like, well, no, we don't. Sure. Like, if I was them, I'd be like, well, you're making a scene now. I don't want you here. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, yeah. maybe I'm, like, I know that's not the point of the scene. Mm-hmm. The point of the scene is to get him to, to get them to admit it. Sure. But I feel like he goes about it incorrectly. Although the scene is done incorrectly. Mm-hmm. He's very interesting. Yeah, it was good, and I thought I liked it more than I did up until I started talking about it. Yeah, it's interesting. I also I feel exactly the same way. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about maybe let's open the envelope. Okay. And say the best picture of nineteen forty eight in twenty seventeen is Bishop's Wife, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Though Bishop's Wife is my favorite out of all of them. I'm saying Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street because. Of its cultural impact, yes. Whereas Bishop's Wife has been lost to the lost to time almost. Whereas Miracle on Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street is a classic that people have returned to year after year after year. And I don't think it's saying anything extraordinary right. or anything. But I, I, and I, I, I honestly like the remake better, which I know is sacrilege to a lot of people. But that's my problem: is I like the remake more. In almost every aspect, except maybe one or two, yeah. Um, I don't that think that take I don't away from the movie. I but I I don't think that really lessens the impact of the original. No. I guess that's just personal preference for maybe probably because I saw the remake first, and I think that's all that yeah. it really is. Um, I would I would say that I don't think Bishop's wife's been completely lost to time. Mm. I think there's a segment that's still have come to it and enjoy it. Maybe, although I, you know when a movie's lost a little bit the time when you can't rent it and you can only buy it. Uh, sometimes it has to do with the studio. Sometimes. I mean, I know that if we did this, if we recorded this two weeks from now, you could have watched it for free. Like, it's going to be on TV. Sure. I mean, because we were um, recording this a little bit before Christmas. Right. Uh, which months, was oddly. Months. Months. You know, before, uh, months before this episode was released, right? Um, but that being said, like it's still shown, so to me, it's still surviving. Oh, sure, okay, then, um, yeah, okay. That's so. Good point. While I would agree with you, like in the cultural zeitgeist, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street is more known than Bishop's Wife. I like Bishop. I think Bishop's Wife is a better movie, and it still kind of resonates today. It might not have the cultural impact sure. as Miracle on 34th Street, but I don't think Miracle on 34th Street's impact is so great that it can overcome the flaws that the movie has compared it's, to Bishop's To Wife. me, the fl- they're, not necessarily, they're, they're not necessarily flaws. They're just personal preferences as right. opposed to the remake. So I don't really see them as flaws. I just like see like, what you took and you rearranged a bit and 
So, but I know people who are like have seen both in reverse order, and they swear by the original and not by the remake. Yeah, like, I have I've... friends who hate the way that like the "In God We Trust" with the dollar bill, um, you know, like hate that version. They prefer the post instead. All right, I I didn't want to bring that up. I didn't want to bring it up, but you did, so I want to ask this question. Sure. Is it because that even though the movie is saying the fact that the United States government says, puts in God we trust on their money without any proof of God's existence, mm-hmm. therefore Santa Claus can walk free, believing he's Santa Claus. Without Do proof people that he dislike is. it because they're essentially saying, look, we don't believe in God, but it's on the money even with no proof. Um, I, the people I know who don't like it and prefer the post version, that's not the reason that they okay. dislike it. It's a good question. Because I thought about this, like, I like that, like, I actually like that it's way better smart, than the post It's a way. very smart argument. The post one's pretty clever, too, because, like, you, but the post you're a, not his idea. Right. It, it, it lessens his impact as a lawyer when it's not his idea. To be fair, let's, let's be very clear here. While the movie Brian, leads you to believe that he's Brian. Santa Claus, sure. Um, the guy at the post office is like, "I don't care if he's Santa Claus or not. Let's give him all these letters." Uh, yeah, like that's that true. is a horrible postal employee. Well, I mean, the letters to Santa don't really go anywhere anyway. But but right. by but, but they by say the... like it's illegal to open up to give those to somebody else, right? Yeah, but 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 by the post office declaring. The a government agency declaring right. that man is Santa Claus and he is receiving right. his mail. It's basically the same yeah. thing. The go- a government system has declared that man is Santa yeah. Claus. And the and the God the God argument I like because it's we're not going to argue the existence one way or the other. We're just saying you can believe in something without any proof. Yep. And the United States government does it, so therefore. Yeah, you know, I, it gives me that out. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I like the second one yeah. m- more, but that's it. Still, doesn't lessen to me the cultural impact of Miracle on Thirty Fourth. It Street. doesn't. Um, so I'm, so I, so that's I'll fine. give it I to mean, that. I, Though I again, like, like I said, I really enjoyed The Bishop's Wife. Yeah, so did I. If you haven't seen it, definitely go out and see. That it. would be my recommendation. Of any of the, if you haven't seen, I mean, most people have seen Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. So I'd say, out of any of these, I'd go and watch The Bishop's Wife. It was, yeah, it was just a, it was like an oddly fun time but still like i yeah i could recommend almost any of these movies except for crossfire um yeah i'd say watch any of them except for crossfire and i say that knowing that i have a weird mental block against great expectations yeah definitely see the bishop's wife if you haven't seen it you obviously have seen miracle on 34th street if you haven't well i i can't do much with you um (laughs) watch watch great expectations and then, if you have time, watch uh, Gentleman's Agreement. But you might not have much time because next episode we get ten movies again. Ten Ooh. movies. Do you want a sneak preview as to what they are? Yeah, I, have them. I don't know. I have them all written here. I hope I, it's good. I, I do my notes up ahead of time. Um, they are as follows: The Life of Emil Zola, No nope. One Hundred Man and a Girl, Okay, Captain's Courageous, which I was in the stage play of. 
Um, we'll be talking about that. <laughs> um, spoiler! Spoiler! It's my pick. Yeah. Uh, Dead End, Stage Door, A Star Is Born, The Good Earth, and Old Chicago, The Awful Truth, and Lost Horizon. You know all those movies that I, you've heard of. <laughs> I've heard of one of those movies. Yeah, I've heard of three of these movies. Well, so look, I'm actually ahead you of were you. in the stage play of Captain Courageous. Yep. I am in the remake of A Star Is Born. So you are a star. And then, so I assume the life of Emil Zola is the one you've actually heard of. No, I've... Uh, I always want to call it the life of Armin Zola, who was... is a Captain America villain. <sighs> we couldn't wait a week to do that. No, joke. no, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll make it again. It's okay. Look, yeah, I, I'm going to try very hard not to just pick a Star Is Born because I'm in the remake. No, but it's probably not going to happen. No, I don't know. That's yet. a lot of movies, and it's a lot of movies. You know, so but luckily I, the week after is only three. So. You know, I, someone. Was talking about like which episodes are more fun to record are the the ones that you know like movies that are more recent or movies that are older. I think the ones that are older are more fun because we're we're very we could be more irreverent to the movies that yeah. we have no connection to or people aren't born or we don't have any like hangups about or whatever. It's like they're just movies, and so it's it's easier to pick them apart as opposed to a film like with actors that you really like or one of your favorite directors or a movie you've seen a million times or... Academy Rewind is is broken up into two parts each season. There's the first half of the season in which we go in depth on the movies that we've seen several times already. Mm-hmm. And then there's the second part of the season where there's a lot of movies we wonder why ever got nominated and we like will will be brutal at some point yep. in some of these movies. Agreed. That's exactly right. You can find us on iTunes uh, and Satchel and Overcast and all other places that podcasts can be found. You can also find us at AcademyRewind.com and ThoughtPopulaudio.com and at Twitter at Academy Rewind. You can rate and review us on iTunes and uh, all such things. You can also email us at AcademyRewind at gmail.com, which I occasionally check. Um (laughs) You really got to check that more often. I, it's, it's there. I have a lot of email addresses, man. It's hard to keep up. <laughs> um, Look, I can only do so much with the Twitter. I can only do. I know. I know. <laughs> I yeah, if anybody follows us on Twitter, know that I have no control over that Twitter. And whatever Palmer says is purely Palmer's opinion. It does generally not reflect my own. It's funny because people know this. Yeah. People that I interact with on Twitter they know, know it's, it's just you. They know it's me. And I don't try – like. I will I will be very hard when I when I put up an opinion about something, I'll be very hard to say I and not we. Like I try and I try and always make that delineation. Yeah, because generally it's not me and I do not right. share your opinion. Well, I also like I'll tag you in something if I want you That's to, also true because yeah. my, my Twitter handle at Timothy PG thirteen is just out there. So Yeah. So um, like some of our some of our uh, listeners will tag you in the in the conversation as yeah. well, which is good because that gives you the opportunity to respond. Yeah, but yes, I am firmly in control of the Twitter most of the time. Yeah, um, I deleted our, it off my phone because I was tired of getting notifications for things that I wasn't even paying you know, attention to. It's funny. Well, uh, one of the things is I have I have that account on my phone, and I have uh, the company I work for's account on my phone. Yep, and don't get confused. It's not it like I never say anything bad. Like, no. I never, I never, um, I follow the steadfast rules of retail. Sure. You don't talk about religion. You don't talk about politics. Except uh, when they're in those movies. Ex- except when they're in those movies. Um, so that's like, 
an easy thing to remember to so like there's not much that I would do in between the two. Sure. But I make sure one follows the other mm-hmm. just for the funsies yep. of getting the, the information out there for other people. And it's funny when I go on my my company's account and I like one of our tweets and then uh, like yeah. a second later I get the I get the notification. I'm like <gasps> Somebody favorited a tweet. Oh, that was me. That was me. I did it. It was <laughs> me. It was me. Mario. Uh, my goodness. You guy, you're crazy. Yeah. Okay. Well, until next time, I believe they are playing us off. No, I have so many more people to thank. Bye. Bye.